This is an ABC podcast. This is Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber. After more than a decade representing her country, the captain of Fijiana, Seri Imma Lewinikila, recently announced her retirement from the national rugby side. Across those years, Seri Imma has seen the sport go through a massive transformation. And as a trailblazer of the women's game, she is one of the athletes behind that change. Seri Imma's leadership, however, began off the field as the eldest of three sisters. Bulavanaka Imma. Hi, Bobby. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you here. You don't mind if I call you Ema? Yeah, all good then. That's my nickname. That's what everyone knows me. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Now, Ema, your mother was the breadwinner in your household growing up. What did she do? Oh, okay. Um, so my mom was a lecturer at the Fiji School of Medicine in here in Fiji. So uh, basically, she uh, lectures the uh, doctors. Our future doctors and nurses. So, um, apart from that, she was involved in, uh, anything in empowerment of women. She was the Fiji National Council. Uh, she was involved in organization, non-governmental organization. So, um, I think she was, I think watching her and going with her throughout those years made me, uh, maybe it sunk in my head somehow, uh, to, uh, fight for empowerment of women somewhere along those lines. But I did it on, on, on the best way I could, which was on, on rugby. So that was what mom did. Mom, mom did a lot of uh, consultancies that, that involved empowerment of women. <sighs> what role did your dad play at home? So my dad, so they kind of like switched roles. Uh, <laughs> my dad was uh, like the mother then, uh, looking after us. Anything we wanted, we would go to dad. We were afraid of my mom. Uh, <laughs> she, she was like, her room, we would call the lions then. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so going into her, we would like um, fight who would go and tell her the bad news or who would go and tell her this news. So, yeah, my dad was the other side. He was like, he, he comes down everything so uh he was the opposite of mom so so they kind of like switched roles um in in my life when i when i grew, when i was brought up what did you want to be growing up oh so uh what i so I, every time i looked at mom because mom started as a nurse uh and i saw the way uh, she was so involved in uh, in medicine i wanted to be a doctor so um, we went into high school. Uh, I did everything right. Uh, even in the uh, form seven, I went into um, uh, like I tried. I went to Wesley College in New Zealand, and I uh, applied to go to Otago Uni. Uh, and I got accepted to do health science first year, but somehow I came back because mom got sick. But that was always my aim. Uh, to become a doctor. Like, I'm glad I, I didn't become a doctor as well because I later found out, uh, uh one of the doctors told me I had white coat hypertension. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is that? <laughs> uh, when I, I, I get it, I go inside the, um, uh, medical room and I see doctors in their white coat, my high blood pressure could go straight up, uh, like I'm about to have a stroke. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, well, that worked out well then. <laughs> yeah, I kind of worked out well because I think I got, I, I had so much, some fear of uh, medicines and, 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 and injections. So I kind of got, kind of got scared every time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your mum. Uh, now, your mum yeah. didn't want you to be a nurse. Why was that? Oh, yes, uh, because she went through the nursing system here in Fiji and she struggled so much to, uh, to become, she was actually the first nurse that, um, transferred from nursing school, teaching in nursing school to become, to teaching in, do, in, the, in the, the doctors, the medical school. So when she went through those, um, the facilities here in Fiji and, and the working hours, uh, she almost chased me away from home uh, because I, I, I came up with a brilliant idea. If I can't become a doctor, let me become a nurse. And he said, over my dead body, I'll see it. And I'll help my child become a nurse. <laughs> Here in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't become a nurse. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You, you mentioned your mum got sick <clears throat> after your younger sister was born. She was diagnosed with cancer. How did that yes. change your life at the time? I think uh, it became, uh, I had more responsibilities that I didn't really ask for. Um, at such a young age, you had to uh, learn to be matured and look after your two siblings uh, and also be, um, I don't know, uh, you know, seeing my mom go through so much pain, you know, cancer. Any any time now, if you have someone having cancer, it's just a flashback and, a, you know, like a, a like a memory recall of what mom went through. I, I would see her go through pain. Uh, like you recall in those days when, when mom went through that and then you, all you can do is just sympathize because, you know how much so much pain they're going through and uh, all you can do is just is just watch and it's such a painful thing just to to watch your loved one go through those pain and you and you can't do anything so that's that's i mean for me as well it was a a learning block for me because it taught me to be strong as well uh, at a, at a younger age and and uh and also to help smile on hard times Cry sometimes, but yeah, it, it was it was a it was a process that uh, I wish I, I I would never go through again. Mm. Emma, how important was it to you to make her proud? Oh, I I really wish that um uh that she was here and alive to see me uh reach uh you know reach where I am now because uh. Somehow I followed my own path. I didn't go. Most of the time I was following what she told me or whatever she wanted me to do. I, I would, that's how much I wanted to be. I wanted her to be proud of me. Whatever she'd tell me, I'll try and aim to, to do it. And, and seeing so much of her struggling to, uh, put me where I am, uh, that, that wanted me to, uh, to work harder to make her proud of me. I wanted to get a degree and, and for her to see me, uh, graduate. But I couldn't do that in in time. Uh, I just turned twenty one, and she uh, passed away uh, on a few months later. So uh, I just wish she wanted, she could see the uh, moment uh, where I had gone through this uh, rugby career and working now, uh, and see her face light up and her hard work paid off. Yeah. What kind of a legacy did she leave with you? Oh, it's so so much. Uh, she made such an um, she's such a 
I mean, it, like it was my motivation, like every day. Um, and I would tell my friends, you know, one last time when I when I was in um, uh, hospital with her on on the last days, and she was finding it hard to breathe, and I was lying there next to her, uh, feeling cold. She told me she <coughs> asked me if I could reach out for my. Uh, uh, the blanket she had put in the closet, and I was covering myself up. And, and she told me something in Fijian, which was, um, like saying, just hold on a little bit, it's about to finish. Oh, so every time I would, I would go through life and, 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 and go through hardship, it, it, it's always, it's in my head, like, just hold on, it's about to finish, just hold on, it's about to finish. And then again, seeing what she came through, fighting and uh, trying to make change and, and also fighting, especially for us, made me, um, I think, kind of like was the little spark that made me uh, fight uh, whenever I went through hardship in life. Hmm. Yeah, so she made such an impact in my life. Yeah, oh, no doubt. And, and no doubt you brought that spark to your rugby career too. How did you first <laughs> fall in? How did you first fall in love with the sport? I used to watch my, um, you know, the Hong Kong Sevens. Mm, yeah, where Thomas Ibama and I had an uh, uncle who used to go to Hong Kong just to um, uh, broadcast. He was a radio announcer, uh, and uh, when I heard him going there, I'd, I'd ask him to uh, bring back uh, those punch balls. A, a souvenir <laughs> one, yeah. and he'd 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 actually breathe. So uh, I would look forward not to the chocolates and all those things, but to those punch balls. And when he'd uh, bring it, I'd pretend in my little room, um, you know, on the on the walls, that I was playing rugby, and I'd jump on my bed. And I actually broke my bed once because I'm I'm a big girl, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to come up with an excuse why I broke. I broke the bed, but yeah, and I used to jump on the bed just pretending I was scoring. I'll call my name out as an announcer that I was scoring a try. <laughs> and that's where it all started. <laughs> I played with the neighborhood boys. I was the only girl I played with at primary school. And back then, you're not allowed to play with boys. So when I played at primary school, we used to get the hiding from the, from the teachers. But I didn't care. I would just, and I'd come back home and, um, my dad would see all my uniform. It had grease all over it. Cause he used to eat grease on the ground back days, back on those days. And, uh, it had grease arrows and torn pockets. Uh, so it all started from there. My love for rugby, childhood memories, <sighs> childhood times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and carried oh. on. <laughs> I love that, Eva. How difficult was it to follow a dream like that when there weren't really many women playing rugby at the time? So, you know, Bobby, it was really, uh, I think it's, well, it's one of, uh, I think I would say I, I'm so glad I was part of of change that uh I've never witnessed some things uh, change so fast within within a decade. Um, you know, like I was saying, in primary school, even playing with the boys, I would get hiding. I would get a hiding. I'd get um, I'd be called out by our teachers. Get us, we get um, told off, and then you got you have that outside, and then you have that within your family, like the culture, as well. We had to break break those. Um, Break the bias, break those barriers. Uh, at, 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 at home, we were, 
I mean, especially with my grandmother, uh, we, if even if she sees me praying with the boys outside, you could just see so much anger in her face. She would tell me off and call me in. So with her, that was out of the norm. Um, and and if that was with her, just imagine the whole country, the, the other women, the other men that that thought the same as 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 her. So it it was really difficult. I knew when I started. Um, Fiji Anorak was just a laughing stock. Uh, anywhere we go, everywhere we train, whatever we did, I, I would just see people mocking, passing comments, and just just laughing at us. We were a laughing stock. We had to, um, yeah, uh, change mindsets and uh, yeah, just out of the norm. Everything was out of the norm. So we had to uh, show the people that. Uh, that women's rugby was here to stay and that women that it was normal for women to play rugby. You're listening to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber and I'm speaking with recently retired Fijiana captain Sede Ima Lewinigila. Ima, you spoke about your grandmother being angry at seeing yeah. you playing yeah. with the boys. Did her attitude change? Yes. Um so uh, my first game was Back in 2012, uh, she was, um, on the first day I actually, uh, wore my training gears to go and train, uh, and play rugby. She was standing outside hanging the clothes and, uh, she looked at me and, and, and passed the comment while her comment was, uh, uh, why are you trying to be a boy? Why are you trying to, to play rugby? Why don't you just stay, stay home and wash the dishes and, and clean the house and, and do things that normally all girls do? And I said, Oh, but but uh, Bumbu, we call her Bumbu. Uh, but this is this is something I love. Just let me do it. And then, oh, you could just see her face just go, you know, those those kind of comments. And I just keep going. And then uh, when I when I used to come back, you could just hear her how angry. You know, you were all tired. You just had a shower. You could hear her uh, banging the plates in the kitchen. Just to tell you, this is where you're supposed to be. And then my mom would come in feeling sorry for her plate and tell me, Hey, uh, Ima, go, go, go and help your grandmother. Hurry up. Otherwise, my plates are going to become all cracked. So I had to go in and I helped my grandmother just because she was angry because I wasn't there to help her those past how many hours that I went training. So that was her mindset. Every time, um, I would go training, she never changed her. And, and she was, she was pro men, like every, because she had so much, uh, my mom was the only, um, women. She had a lot of, uh, men in her family, a lot of brothers. And, uh, when you, when I, when I went to, when you go into a room, you look up at her walls and you'll just see, see those things hanging, her pictures, all of her son, just her and her son, uh, or her son in her graduation uniform. So it was hard. All her grand grandkids, uh, small pictures of her grandkids, which was uh, mostly the the boys, not not any does not involve any girls. So uh, I kept going, kept going. I think it took about three or four years until I played in uh, twenty twelve. Um, and Fiji Times um took a picture of us in our uniform with our New Zealand Maori uh, players, and it came in the papers. What I'm on the front page? No, sorry, it, we never. Hit the front page back then. It was on. Uh, it was a big picture in the middle of the of the uh, Fiji Time pages, and she cut it out. And uh, when I walked into her room, uh, I could see at the side of one of those frames, she had stuck my um, 
my picture of me and my New Zealand, I mean, with the New Zealand Warrior players. So I knew, oh, you know, I walked in so much pride. I was so emotional that day. I didn't want to yeah. go to our face and go, ha, ah, I told you so. I told you. <laughs> I just, cause it, it would have ended bad. I was like, this is the, this is the main, uh, this is one barrier down. So I told myself that I could change the mindset of this stubborn woman, you know, mm. she's so stubborn. And from her area, which is raw, they might be listening. <laughs> they, they are very stubborn people. <laughs> so if I could change her mindset, I told myself that I could change more and more mindsets at, at work and anywhere, families. And she wasn't the only one, you know, I, in my family, I had only my dad, my two sisters and my namesake, my grandmother, who's my mom's dad, supporting me. So I started with four supporters before I actually uh, evolved more family to support me. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that story. That's brilliant, Emma. What did it feel like when you actually fulfilled your dream of running out into a stadium with your family watching on TV? Oh, my gosh, Bobby, you know that our uh, flashback when I was bouncing the ball on the, <laughs> on the wall and jumping on the bed. And I was oh, like, yes. oh, <laughs> I was like, thought that, you know, I was calling my name and jumping on the bed. Janelle World Stage, actually, you know, they're watching me on TV. We had the World Cup. We had the drawer where, you know, everyone was watching. I didn't know how big it was until uh, friends started to explain. They were watching it like they watched the men, where every house had their TV on, uh, cheering the, the drawer women's on the first year we went, we went in. Um, and, and, it's such, I don't know, when you, it feels like a fulfillment of, of purpose when, when you um, achieve something like that uh, and you've worked hard. And so all those years of crying, all those years of pain finally paid off. And I actually, uh, Bobby, I, I, back in um, high school in New Zealand, Wesley College, um, I had a friend um, uh, in, a, in, in our dining room at Wesley College because it's such a, a famous school of, of, of all black players. And you go into a dining room, you'll see all the jerseys that are hanging. You'll see all the jerseys of, of old scholars. Uh, they're giving it back to the school and it was all men. It had all, all blacks and it had, uh, just one, one Fiji rugby jersey that I saw there. And I told my friend, I jokingly said it and I said, I'll be the first woman, international woman that put my jersey up there. And then my friend, uh, said, but, uh, how are you going to do it? Because, um, there's no rugby in Fiji, and they are a laughing stock. And I said, just watch. And uh, 10 years later, not 11 years later, I was actually, I went and presented my jersey back at the school, and they uh, uh, said that I was the first international woman to put my jersey there. They put me uh, beside, I think they put me beside the uh, Fiji, uh, Fiji rugby jersey. The, it was by Sally Sorovaki back then, so they put me beside him. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you say rugby has changed for women. What has it taken, yeah. you and others, to make that change? It took a lot of sacrifice. Uh, sacrifice mentally, sacrifice physically, sacrifice financially, because at the time we had to prove that we weren't, because we were labelled. There was a stigma against uh, uh, rugby players and still goes Still there, where you're labeled as gay, you're labeled as as uh, 
as a tomboy, you know, label. And, and, and I would say, you know, the first few years that I, I started, I was ashamed because, because we were out of the moment and, and because of the label, because of the stigma we had uh, as a rugby player, which uh, you could feel uh, people. So when someone asked me what sport did I play, I'd hardly say that I was a, as a rugby player. I'd say I played netball or basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So there was a stigma behind rugby players. So it was, it took a lot of um, like-minded people, hardworking. Uh, uh, I had friends that were nurses, uh, announcers, uh, uh, commentators. They worked at the radio station. I had friends who had good jobs, very, very good jobs. They were managers uh, that sacrificed going from work to um, to training and balancing it just for the betterment of, of, of women's rugby playing Fiji. What kind of challenges did you face when it came to trying to juggle training with working to earn a living? Back then, West Bank, they supported me so well, but uh, they also didn't know I was playing rugby. You know, one time I got introduced by one of my boss as a, and she was like, hey, this is uh, Serema and uh, she uh, she plays uh, for Fiji. Uh, is it uh, basketball or netball, dear? And I was like, oh, no, I play rugby. <laughs> I was like, no, no, you're wrong. I play rugby. She's <laughs> like, oh, what? <laughs> and then we're all asking, is it 80 minutes? Do you actually tackle? And I said, yes. <laughs> and, they, and they were confused between whether I was either going for leave for 15s, I was going for leave for 7s. But I had a, and you know, I was so lucky to have a very supportive team. That also changed with me, like in, in terms of mindset. At at first, it has to be mocked at, and and you know they'd be coming in, oh, you guys lost, <laughs> but then suddenly they were supporting me, uh, take me to training. They would uh, tell me to watch my diet and all those. Uh, so yes, it took a lot of, like I said, a change in mindset to uh, actually uh, be able to balance um, between work and because it was actually training work training work for me uh i had 5 a.m sessions in the morning I'd, I'd come in uh train bath and i'll go back to work and then i had 10 a.m sessions then i would go and run back it was just kind of like rushing all the time at times i would uh uh it was hard to balance be better because you can only serve one master <laughs> so after putting in all of that hard work what did it mean for you to be named captain of fijiana 2016. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. At 2016, uh, I was like a young senior back then. Okay. No, I was actually just, I wasn't even a senior. So I was, I was still young. And then I was given the role to be captain. I questioned my coach and he told me, he gave me a day or two to think about it. Uh, and then when I said, uh, uh, I really, I can't take this role because I can't speak. I, I didn't know how to speak back then. I mean, you know, like speak publicly, encourage people. I was more of an introvert. <laughs> I like my own bubble. I like to be in my own circle. <laughs> Work hard for me. <laughs> and then when uh, I, uh, I I was and then when I finally told him, he said, um, "I don't need a captain that speak just to just to show like action." Just to lead. I don't need a, a captain to speak, but just to lead. 
And that's where I learned a lot from uh, Coach Sarah Mambai. He's a former flying pigeon. And that's where I had, so I started with that leading first by my actions, then my words. And then I slowly uh, learned how to speak, to be vocal, to speak up. To So when I first started, I was, I was scared because back then, like, like I said, because you know, they go, the Syria Maloney killer captain side <laughs> and we will lose you. <laughs> so I was like, I was so ashamed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So back then it was, it was like that. I was, I was a bit ashamed, but as the years go by, I finally found the pride, pride in the jersey and the pride in, and it's such a big thing to leave your country and, and it's such an honor. It, an incredible an incredible career, Ema. What does the game look like for women today compared to when you started? Oh, it's just it's amazing. I was I was telling telling the girls when I uh on my last jersey presentation and I said, You are the it's a dawn of a new era of women's rugby in Fiji. You know, our time of those who struggle to be where they are now is it, it it's gone now. We are the past. You know, they're the future and they have so much power to, to move further, like to, to play with tier ones, tier two nations, to be, uh, role models to younger girls. Because now we are allowed, we have a, a high school competition now and they can, you know, and it can become a profession and, and girls can now say, I want to be a rugby player instead of saying, I just want to be a doctor. I just want to play netball as a hobby. Now they can say, I want to be a rugby player. Hmm. Why did you decide to retire this year? Because <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my aim was... Uh... <laughs> My aim was 30 years old <laughs> and I'll retire. But when they moved, I had a coach back then. He was one of the most toughest coach I've ever gone through. But he was also, a, you know, he advised me a lot and I looked up to him. Coach uh, Senigrusi Serovakola. And he actually uh, advised me and he said, if you finished, if you finish with World XV3, and you finish this year and you retire and hang your boot instead of hanging it from last. I wanted to retire from last year, actually. Instead of you, you'll hit a mark where no one else would, would be able to. And I said, what do you mean? Because you were part of the change from when it was non-professional to now more semi-pro or more professional way of contracted. And no one else in Fiji can actually achieve it. And then I, and then he said, and actually he'll be in the first World Cup, first World XV3, first, he said, don't retire now. But one of the reasons was because I was getting, I was getting tired. I couldn't run as, as fast as those girls. I couldn't, and when you came, came out from, uh, you know, during our contact session, it took me two or three days to recover. Yeah. So, and then I had his, his advice at the back of my head. And then I said, he's kind of true. So when I actually, <laughs> Handed over my last jersey and, and then, uh, and then I got the, uh, send off on the last game. I was so at peace and I said, I, I can finally let it go. It's now in better hands. Oh. Finally, Emma, what legacy do you hope you've left on the game and the players? I think the best thing, I mean, I was talking about it. With uh, with the girls was just courage. 
Um, I wanted to be remembered as uh, as those players that actually uh, challenged the norm and broke those barriers uh, for them. Not only me, uh, but other players as well. So that's that's one thing I wanted to leave behind. To have the courage to go against the norm, the courage to stand up, the courage to voice out, the courage to to follow the dreams that was that seemed so impossible, uh, and it only was possible through through God, hard work, and and yeah, and courage. That's how I wanted I want to be remembered as. Ema, thank you so much for joining me from Suva and sharing your brilliant career. I have no doubt your mother will be looking down on you and she would be so proud of you. Congratulations on your career. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you so much. That was Seti Ima Lewinikila, former captain of the Fijiana Women's Rugby Union team. You've been listening to Stories from the Pacific. I'm Bobby McCumber. And to catch more great stories about incredible people from the Pacific, just search ABC Pacific. This story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people. 